Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of The Glittercast. I'm Renee Watt, a psychic, professional witch, and your host. Today's episode features the queen of burlesque, Dita Von Teese. And I must say that she is just as lovely in person as you expect her to be. And before, you know, before she came over the day before she arrived, I have never had anxiety in my life over what to wear. That's not a thing that I've ever existed with. I grew up as a punk rock kid. There were holes in my shirts and my jeans up until like two and a half years ago. And I still will have holes in jeans and, you know, whatever. And it was like I was getting ready for prom when I was trying to figure out what to wear. And I finally had to like talk myself down and just sort of be like, it's okay if you're the the jeans and black tank top girl, like you can be that girl. But she is, when you meet her in person, she is so stunning and elegant and poised that I just think I was like a little bit in awe. And when I sat her down, I sat the microphone a little bit too far away from her mouth. So our vocals were a little bit off. Um, And for that, I'm sorry if the audio is a little bit wonky. I did my best to doctor it, but I also had some help and I wanted to publicly thank Jim Quinlan for, you know, doing his best to help me out of a, a funny recording situation. So with that being said, please enjoy my wonderful talk with the delightful Queen of Burlesque, Dita Von Teese. Welcome to another episode of the Glitter Cast. I am here today with the Queen of Burlesque, Dita Von Teese. Hello, Hi. welcome. Hi. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for being here, first of all. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. This, is, this seems fun. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about like witchy, yeah. spooky things. Yeah. Yep, yep. I'm kind of curious because you have, I mean, your entire career is based around, you know, this like sort of vintage era, you know, and burlesque and vintage things and a vintage home and vintage clothes. And I'm curious how you found your way to that world. Um, well, a few things led me to it. Um, I grew up watching a lot of old movies because that's what my mother loved. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I kind of had an imprint from an early age on glamour and beauty and how women dressed themselves and, painted their way to glamour Mm -hmm. um, and kind of woke up, you know, grew grew up wanting to be like that. And then I'd say um, when I started, you know, becoming a young adult, uh, I started dressing in vintage clothes because I couldn't afford the other kinds of clothes that my uh, friends, I grew up in Orange County. I'm from Michigan. I grew up in Orange County and in Irvine. And it was kind of, you know, wealthy kind of surf crowd people. So they always had like the cool jeans and the cool sneakers. And I didn't get to have any of that stuff. So I started going to vintage stores to try to get that look, you know, to get, mm-hmm. to get like a glamour look for less. And, and, um, cause back then not a lot of people cared about, you know, thirties, forties and fifties clothes. So it was yeah. cheap. Yeah. So 
Wow. And then it got like huge and crazy expensive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's a whole thing now. <laughs> yeah. It really has taken on a life of its own. Mm -hmm. I'm, um, whenever someone has just sort of like this thing that they're drawn to that shapes them in the woo community, we always go to like, Oh, well this must be past life. This must mm -hmm. be like something that feels almost like nostalgic. Like you've, you've lived it or you've done it before. And I'm curious if you've ever had thoughts like that about what you're interested in and drawn to. Um, I've always felt like an old soul. Like when I was a little girl, I felt like I was tapping my fingers, waiting to be an adult person <laughs> that could yeah. make my own decisions and run my life. I don't have like these, I don't have bad memories of my childhood, but certainly, um, I just sort of was interested in adult things mm -hmm. if that makes sense. So, yeah. um, I don't think, you know, I've been very interested in, I've been listening to, uh, audiobooks about past lives and all this stuff. So I'm kind of interested in it, but I don't have a lot of experience or I haven't explored that side of me. I've worked with some, um, I worked with a kinesiologist that always kinds of brings, brings up my past experiences and how they can be, um, affected, affecting my pain. Yeah. Like physical pain because I've had a uh, chronic pain for a while and I'm starting to kind of like explore how that chronic pain could be connected to things that I'm not dealing with or mm -hmm. that I'm not, um, that maybe could be something traumatic that happened in my past. I don't remember. So mm -hmm. uh, I'm no expert on any of it, but always right. open to understand because there's no real reason that I should be having like chronic back pain Yeah, and, and chronic pain that has moved to different areas on it, like two to three year cycle. Like oh, it migrates. It goes from this to that to the other thing. And, and it's, right. it's interesting if you start, if people that know about kind of like chronic pain that have dug into, um, the emotional pain trappings and all of that, will probably understand what I'm talking about. But a lot of other people will say, well, you just need back surgery. So <laughs> I don't, you know, I'm no expert. I'm just learning. Right. But I mean, it's, you know, for someone who's a dancer and obviously like it's your job to take care of your body. Yeah. You know, it's like healthy, active people don't always have chronic pain happen right. for them. So it is interesting to look at it from a different sort of perspective. Have you ever, there's um, like in, in um, acupuncture and Eastern therapies, they will look at where the pain is and they sort of like designate it to a, a different emotion or mm -hmm. like the way that energy is becoming stagnant. Have you ever done anything like that? Um, not so much. I mean, my when I've had acupuncture, um, I haven't really gotten into the whys or any of that. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. I haven't gone enough. I think I've flitted from solution to solution a few times and, you know, haven't had any like major um, uh, revelations in it yet, except for noticing when I am like kind of releasing emotion, whether it's writing down things that are troubling me or having a good cry or yeah. being on stage in front of 3000 people, where does my pain go? It's not there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. So you think even, I mean, I guess for you then being on stage is actually a, like a healing thing for you. Yeah. I mean, I started noticing that there were these things that, you know, I, I would be on stage and I wouldn't be feeling any of the physical pain. Mm -hmm. you know, and I don't know what the reason is for that, but I feel like with a lot of performers, especially performers who, you know, make a name for themselves and become well-established, there's almost like a creative 
channel that happens where it's like, could almost feel like it's coming from somewhere else. Does that ever happen for you? Um, I don't know. I mean, mine's all pretty thought out and also just part of my whole life and being. So I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I just think like everything is connected to my childhood and my childhood obsessions. Everything that I do successfully is always connected to that. (laughs) What's funny is for you to talk about like your obsessions is you have, um, in your astrology chart, I sort of have, I I just peeked at it a little bit before you got here, but you have, um, like an aspect in your chart, which is Pluto. It's like the planet of obsession. It's right on top of your sun, which is like your identity and your creativity. So like that obsessiveness would come through creatively for you based on your chart. Have you ever had your chart read before? Um, not like in person like this. I think I have on paper a long time ago, but you know, Mm -hmm. not really. So I was curious just because, you know, we, I talked about past lives a little bit right now. So that was the thing that I wanted to sort of look at with your chart. And, you know, I always have to like give a disclaimer when it comes to past life stuff, because for the most part, none of this can be proven. And I think it's an important thing to acknowledge in the woo community that like a lot of this stuff like is just, you know, like you can't take it too seriously. But if I was going to just sort of look for past life signatures in your astrology chart, um, there's this thing, these things in your chart called the South Node and the North Node. And the South Node is sort of like your past life um, experiences and what you bring into this life. Mm -hmm. And your North Node is sort of like what your karma needs to work towards to evolve and sort of like reach your highest path. And with you, your South Node is in Cancer, which would be, you know, like a very nurturing person. Um, And with someone, you know, looking at a past life aspect of things, it could be like, you know, in a lot of past lives, and this makes sense, I think, just for women in general, but there may have been just like your only job was to like mother or nurture Mm -hmm. or like sort of like have that life. Mm -hmm. Um, And in this life, you're working towards like, you know, what I want to do for myself and, you know, like almost like, you know, status in some ways and sort of like recognition for something other than like being a mother. Mm -hmm. And you also have this interesting aspect in your 12th house, which I know when I am talking about charts like this, I'm like, your 12th house. And people are like, sure, that means that means something. (laughs) Um, But your 12th house is sort of like the unseen and it can be karma and it can be like connections to your past life. Um, And you have what's called the asteroid Chiron in this house. And this is basically like how you heal yourself, but also how you wound yourself in some ways. Um, and so yours is an Aries, which is about sort of like healing through, like doing things for yourself, healing through doing things for your career. But at the same time, like it can, it can be an isolating thing. So I just thought those were some interesting things that came through. I'm curious what you have to think yeah. about that. Uh, well, I mean, what you said, uh, I, I don't have this like strong, especially in the the last 20 years of my life, I haven't felt like I'm going to be missing out by not having children at all. Like when I was much younger, I was like, that's just what you do. Yeah. And then I realized that's not, doesn't have to be what you do. And so I, I, I don't feel, you know, when you are someone who decided not to have children, you'll constantly be bombarded with people that tell you that you don't know what real love is, or you won't ever know what that is. Um, and, I kind of like disagree, you know, Mm -hmm. with that. I always just think like, 
yeah, that's such a crazy thing to tell anyone, you know, yeah. especially because you don't really realize when you're talking to somebody that doesn't have children, whether they chose not to, or they cannot, yes. um, or whatever reason, it's a really terrible thing to do to, to someone that actually has not chosen to not have children and can't. And then you have people that pop off all the time about why, but I, I you know, I picked a different path. I chose, um, show business in my career and I didn't, you know, it's an, it's interesting time right now during this whole pandemic where I thought, wow, this could have been the moment to have a, a child. Sorry, my friend. Oh, you're fine. You don't have to I apologize. I to turn it off. <laughs> um, and uh, so I thought like, wow, this is a great time for someone who said, who's in show business that thought, I never have time. When could I have done this and how would I have, you know, stayed home and not done work? And I thought, yeah. well, this is, could have been that year, but I still, at the same time, I don't really, I, I, I just, I don't feel compelled. Right. Or I, I, maybe I'll have regret one day, but you know, there's a whole bunch of stuff that we may have regret over someday. And I have friends that have children that have regret over that too. <laughs> yeah. You know, not like bad, you know, like I shouldn't have done that, but a little like, you know, I could have done without, I love, you know, I've heard this before from lots of people. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't, it didn't make me a, like a better person. So anyway, it's controversial to talk about this stuff. Even I get anxiety yes. even talking about it because people are so judgmental on, um, you know, having children versus not having children and what it means to be a mother. So yeah, I, I get it. You know, it's hard to even talk about really. I mean, I love, I love that you brought it up because it's actually, it's, it's something that I've talked about before another in this podcast and other podcasts, but I think that it's important to glamorize not having children because I think that a lot of women, you know, there is that pressure, there is that expectation. Um, and some people aren't necessarily brave enough or determined enough to move away from it. And I think that, you know, if we normalize it, if we normalize, you know, and show like the glamorous side of not having kids, because it's pretty glamorous to not have kids. It is. Yeah. You don't have to worry about like, you know, like lipstick on the couch or like anything like that. And it's, you know, you can go to Europe randomly and yeah, you can say, I'm going to plant a bunch of roses instead of spend that money on, um, you know, school. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know, but you know, people, I think the word selfish comes up a lot when it comes to family and children. And um, that's unfortunate because I think like, is it really being selfish if you don't really know who you would have been doing that, those selfless acts for, I don't yeah. know. And I, you know, and also I've had, you know, I, I listen to all sides of it. You know, I have, I, I have friends that are in there, you know, glamour girls that are in their seventies, eighties, nineties that, um, had children and didn't have children. And I love to ask them. I always kind of, you know, I don't ask anybody, but somebody who's you know, much older than me who already <laughs> lived through it one way or another. Right. <laughs> um, and you know, everyone says things across the board, you know, some people say, well, it does make it easier as you grow older to have children around or adults. Mm. I always envy people with adult children more than little kids. Yeah. I know. I'm always like, well, my niece is just going to have to take care right. of me. <laughs> I know. I think that's the one thing that is sort of like the uneasy aspect, but at the same time, it's like, you know, nobody knows, but I also know people that are 90 and a hundred years old that, you know, they 
they started living their best life after they raised their children and they're like, this is great. You know? So I, everything's opinions like everything else. And you know, you just weigh all the different options and decide what your path is and try to be right with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. I agree with that. Um, moving on a little bit from the kid discussion, even though I think, you know, it's like, it's such a, it's like you could just talk about it forever, right, you yeah, know? <laughs> yeah. It just felt relevant to what you said. Yeah, maybe that's no. why I don't feel compelled. And I, you know, I do have a little bit of, you know, I don't, I don't feel like a super nurturing person, except for when it comes to animals. You know? Yeah. See, your animals can be your babies and they don't usually yeah. grow up to resent, to yeah. resent you and they cost less. And, <laughs> but no, I mean, I actually, I love that that came up because that's like sort of one of my, like public missions is like, it's okay to not have kids. It's like, don't feel I weird. Think it's important for people to bow out to in a world where things, people, the world is overpopulated. It's important that some people are making a conscious decision to say, I'm not doing this, um, for the greater good. You yeah. Know? But people will argue the greater good thing too. So I don't, I don't know. Yeah, it's true. You do, you do get that. We need, yeah. There is the overpopulation though. And I just think it's like, you know, we don't know what the resources are going to look like. And then it becomes like an, like an ethical question at a certain point where it's like, what's the world going to look like in 50 years. And, you know, I I know more and more people that are like, um, you know, their kids have issues like serious issues, mental issues and things like that. And I just think, Oh God, I just don't know if I'd have the wherewithal for it. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah. And also I'm just kind of, glad that when I leave this earth, I won't have to worry about my kid and what's going to happen to them Yeah, personally, because yeah. it's crazy. You know? Yeah, no, it's true. And I'm, yeah, I mean, I don't even know if that would be like, I feel like that would be a worry that would just start at like right from the beginning and last until you die. <laughs> like it wouldn't even be yeah. like end of life worry. It would just be like the whole time freaking out about that. Yeah. And I guess that's selfish even to say that, isn't it? I don't know. I, don't, I, I think, think it's selfless. I think it's like, you know, to just, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. And, and, you know, to, to counter and, you know, make a, make a note to the other point. If, you know, I also definitely think that people who want to have kids should, you know, as long as they can take care of it and they can. Yeah. I often it. just think like what I decided to do in my career, in my life, you know, when you, people talk about having it all, all the time and you can't, something will suffer. Yeah. You're raising your children will suffer if you try to go full force into show business the way that I have for my entire adult life. Yeah. You know, the only time I think that I could have probably had a kid and have it not affect my career would have been when I was like 19. Yeah. (laughs) No, when you're so young and you don't think about it, like our, my parents, you know, my mom had me when she was like 20 or something. So, Mm -hmm. um, and, and my dad. So I think it's just, um, you know, it would probably have been easier then. Yeah. So of course, I mean, and according to your past life, you already did, you already did, you already did like your it. share of yeah. like, <laughs> that's kind of in line with some of the things someone else said to me that I had in maybe in my past life, a situation where I didn't get to live to my fullest potential and that I was daydreaming about what else I could do. Ah, so it kind of feels a little bit rel could feel relative to what you said. Yeah. Do you have, I'm curious if like where your sort of thoughts are, where your belief lies in past life, like, um, I have become more, I I was less interested until I started, um, researching more about psychedelic sciences. Yeah. Um, I've always been interested in, in psychedelics and have, uh, definitely used psychedelics. And when I was speaking to a friend about her, um, 
ayahuasca experiences, which I, I have not done ayahuasca, but I, I didn't really realize that that was kind of one of the reasons people go there is to kind of, you know, find that, find, find out what ha- may have happened to them that they don't remember. Um, so, you know, kind of when I started realizing it could be connected, the other portals and psychedelic portals could be a way to, f- to find out, un- uncover things that you forgot about, whether it's in this life or past life. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever felt like you uncovered something? Well, no, for me, um, I mostly have, uh, felt like I can feel the connection of the universe Mm -hmm. and have that like, oh, this is what life is about Mm -hmm. kind of thing, you know? Yeah, Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, 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 you know, I used to do it a lot for partying in the nineties, you know, like a lot of people. And then just, uh, when I, you know, suddenly there's all these documentaries and I'm, you know, reading more about the other side of it instead of just like, this is fun. Let's eat mushrooms. Um, and look at trees and leaves and, you know, find the patterns, you know, Mm -hmm. and think about the, you know, how everything's connected. I think, um, it's really interesting. I'm starting to go, Oh, okay. I didn't really understand that. And I think it's interesting that, you know, they're looking at, uh, liberating psychedelics the same way that cannabis has been legalized. Yeah. I mean, I think that could be really good and it could also be like, I think in, in a, it, I think it's not for everyone for sure. And it needs to be done in like a controlled environment. Mm -hmm. And I'm interested in the research they're doing where they're, you know, using it for people with, uh, PTSD or people that are, have terminal illness and need to come to terms with it. Yeah. Um, that's really interesting stuff that I'm hearing, reading about and, and tr- you know, understanding. The same thing I think they're doing research on addiction as well. They're yes. having like, especially, you know, with the opiate, like the opioid crisis in America, they're having a lot of success with people who are hooked on, you know, painkillers yeah. and heroin. Mm-hmm. But I think that, you know, all the times that I've done it, I mean, that I've done mushrooms, I'm just like, oh, I'm in heaven. Like, I just went to heaven. This is just what, like, this is what heaven is. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think some of the, like, misconceptions are about psychedelics? Uh, well, I mean, things were kind of changed in the 60s. I mean, they were doing research in the 50s. And definitely, you know, people were using it in the 40s. I think a lot of people don't realize that it was being used for therapy long before, you know, it got kind of skewed in the 60s by Timothy Leary, who's very Mm. known for being one of those people that kind of changed public perception and one of the reasons that it's illegal. Um, You know, one of my favorite autobiographies from the 40s is by Esther Williams, and the first chapter is Cary Grant, LSD, and me, you know, (laughs) and a lot of these movie stars back then used to go have their therapy with LSD. And um, I just... Uh, there's, they're picking up that research again. So I think it's really interesting. And the, really the only reason that it got kind of, you know, out of control was the sixties and all that, like, you know, drop, drop acid and drop out. I can't remember what the phrase is like, Oh, I don't know. Drop, drop, <laughs> drop it. Oh, no, I don't know. No, I'm it. it's stupid. Something oh. about dropping, dropping in and tuning out, blah, blah, blah. Oh. But it was, um, Yeah. If you read the history of it, it mm-hmm. didn't do very, Timothy Leary kind of like changed everything. In fact, I actually met Timothy Leary on several occasions in the nineties. Really? He used to always be out at these rave parties in LA and he'd be always surrounded by all these like 
young wannabe 60s hippie LSD girls and I was always fascinated with them so I, I met him a few times and I actually did my first Playboy shoot in the early 90s right after he died at his house oh like, weird and it was a trip yeah, it, was- <laughs> it, um, it was very strange because it was his house and a big big house I can't remember where it was somewhere in Hollywood and um, there were all these people that were still living there all of his kind of disciples and all these uh isolation tanks oh. and all these, you know, things that they would have. And it was just a weird choice. I was like, why am I at Timothy Leary's house yeah. for a Playboy photo shoot also? Yeah. <laughs> and we shot outside in the garden. It was just a strange thing. That does seem really random, but mm-hmm. that's pretty cool though, to just like be able to have like an insider look at that. Yeah. There's a great documentary out right now. Maybe you've seen it called Fantastic Fungi and it's about the mushroom. And when you watch it, it's not just about psychedelic mushrooms, but about mushrooms in general. And when you think about it, why wouldn't mushrooms be able to send you signals? You know, it's the mushroom is mushrooms in general and what they do for the world is incredible. It's an absolutely breathtaking, beautiful documentary that it really only touches lightly on the psychedelic mushrooms. It's just about mushrooms in general and how crazy and exciting they really are. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that too, like they've done, they've done research on people who are on psychedelics and sort of like connected their brains to machines so that they could look at, you know, what was happening to the brainwaves. And a lot of the times it's like, similar to like a, like a, like a Buddhist being in an extremely deep or intense meditation. And you think about the fact that like, we know that our brains don't use, you know, it's not functioning at its full capacity, but if we're, you know, if someone's high on mushrooms and their brain is doing something that it's not normally doing, then yeah, maybe we are tapping into something that we can't normally see or tap into. Right. Mm-hmm. All interesting stuff. And why not look at it? <laughs> the, if the world took a little bit of mushrooms, we wouldn't be in the position we're in right now. Yeah, that's, no, it's true. It's true. Sure. Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. Before I let you go, I wanted to ask you one more sort of thing. You've, you know, you've traveled a lot. You've been in a lot of different old, you know, buildings and hotels. And I'm curious if you've ever had any like ghostly encounters. <sighs> you know, I've only had these kind of feelings of where I know I feel weird in a room or something, you know, like that. Like I haven't seen anything. I feel personally, I feel like some people are open to, and they're susceptible if, to, to seeing or feeling, um, energies from the the other side or whatever. But, um, I, you know, I had a French boyfriend that had a castle from like the 1500s and there was like a couple rooms that just didn't like, you just didn't like being in, you know? So I felt like that there. Um, but other places it was great. Um, and you know, I have, I do collect a lot of dead people's things. Like to be clear, I have, (laughs) I'm surrounded by things that belong to people from the past. And I had one experience where I bought this, um, hat from the thirties, quite an extravagant hat. And this happened to me maybe more than 20 years ago. And, um, right after I brought that hat into the house, I kept having like this feeling where I'd wake up in the middle of the night you know, feeling like someone was standing over my bed and I went to two different like psychics and, (laughs) you know, people to ask them what to do. And they both told me the same, same thing. It was attached to something I brought in the house. And one of them pinpointed that it was a hat or something. And I immediately knew which hat it was. 
So, you know, I did that whole like asking it to leave me alone and explaining that I'm not the woman that wore that hat. Yeah. <laughs> it's, just a, it's just my hat now. Um, <laughs> and it left me alone after that. If there was a thing, it left me alone. But yeah, that's pretty much it. So the psychic said that the end or the, it was like the entity was looking for the woman who used to wear yeah, it. Yeah, or thought, was confused and thought that I was that person. Oh, that's so interesting. Mm-hmm. So who knows, but that's, that's the, of all the thousands and thousands of things that I have that belong to people that are no longer with us. That's really my only story. I'm glad that you were like, I'm going to figure, like so many people will be like, I'm getting rid of this hat. Oh, no way. You're like, that I'm going <laughs> to figure out how to make this work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for, you know, chatting with me today. If people want to find you online or anything like that, how should they? I mean, Instagram is, is a good place to start. That's where I'm the most yeah. active. Um, I have my, an official app too. So, but Instagram's a great, great place to start where I'm always, uh, you know, I have a lingerie line and I always, um, publicize where the lingerie is sold and what it looks like. So mm-hmm. it's in like Bloomingdale's and Nordstrom. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I know. I was looking at it. It's really beautiful. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Instagram, Facebook, all those things. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks again for lending me your ears. I hope you enjoyed that chat with Dita. I will say if you are interested in taking an astrological look at your past lives, uh, run your natal chart and then go ahead and peek, take a peek at your south node. Uh, the concept of the nodes is the south node is supposed to be past lives and sort of like information that we bring into this life because it's something that we've done before, but it's also sort of stuff that we're supposed to be able to have mastered and evolved past. The north node is more about like the karma that you incur in this lifetime and what you're supposed to be, you know, reaching for. So if you wanted to take a look at your south nodes, pay attention to what sign it is, what sign it's in, because that can give you an indication of your personality traits, but also, you know, pay attention to uh, what house it's in. You could also look at your 12th house because there's, there can be some past life stuff there, especially if you have a lot of planets in sort of like the last few degrees of that house. So if you have any questions like that, feel free to reach out. But I'm also happy to do an astrological natal chart reading for you. If that's something you're interested, please reach out. You can find me online, rainbowglitterstar.com, on Instagram at rainbowglitterstar, and at the Glittercast. I also have my monthly horoscopes coming out this week for at Witch Doctorate. Pay attention to my Rainbow Glitter Star Instagram because I've got a giveaway coming up for you guys on Saturday. That's going to be really awesome. And of course, Betwixt the Shadows every Wednesday at 7 on YouTube Live. If you don't catch the live show, you can catch the replay, uh, youtube.com slash C slash Betwixt the Shadows, I think is the URL, but I'll also link it in the description for this episode. And again, you can follow us on Instagram at Betwixt the Shadows. Thank you so much. I can't wait to bring you next week's episode. And until then... Enjoy your life and being a beautiful unicorn princess person or prince person. Or maybe you don't want to be a unicorn. Maybe you want to be a swamp monster. Whatever it is, I hope you enjoy all of it. Okay, that's that's pretty much as awkward as I can handle. Have a good day.